Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. You folks, you know what that means. I don't have any of my co-hosts here today, but I do have Francis with Worldliness Workshop. And I'm looking forward. We're going to have a fun interview today planned for you. It is time for Everything Under the Sun, the Soper Sun's weekly radio program right here on KDNK. I am your host, James Steinler. Like I said, we have uh, Francis with Wilderness Workshop to discuss uh, the upcoming Naturalist Nights lecture series, and that's going to be today's feature for today's show. It is at just after 4 o'clock here in Carbondale. It's a little bit cloudy outside, uh, but it's uh, another great day. Great day to be alive in the Growing Fork Valley. Um, how are you, Francis? Um, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. And Francis, uh, remind me of your last name. I apologize. <laughs> so it's Sanzero is probably, Sanzero. that's the best way to go at it. Italian? It is Italian. Okay. Yeah. Sicilian, <laughs> in fact. Fantastic. So. Cool. Well, I want to get into um, the story of uh, uh, Naturalist Nights, which again is launching uh, for the new year on January 10th. Um, Will Buzzard, our wonderful contributor who's actually moved from Carbondale but is now still contributing from uh, from his location um, elsewhere. And we're grateful for that. So that could, that article be, can be found on page six of this week's Sopris Sun Naturalist Nights lecture series launches for the new year. And there's lots of other news in this 24-pager this week. Uh, if you pick up a copy, you'll and lots of going ons. Uh, you'll see on the opposing page, page seven. Larry Day and uh, Brian Colley, the wonderful and, and amazing. Um, cartoonist for the Sopris Sun will be opening a exhibit or a show, a Sun a Sopris Sun themed exhibit uh, on first Friday at 5 p.m. at Bonfire, and those uh, pieces will be up until the end of February. So check that out, and if you have some time and are looking for some fun people to talk to and hang out with, check that out on first Friday at Bonfire. Um, the paper is chock full of a lot of images uh, from Thunder River Theater Company's House of Venus. Uh, so I, I unfortunately didn't get to make that show, but it looks absolutely amazing. I'm so glad that Will Grambois was there to document the show. And as I said, those photos can be found throughout the paper this week. All right. Um, and then Salon series also is go- coming back in 20, or excuse me, launches 2024. Uh, check that out at Carbondale Arts on January 6th. But today we're here to talk with Francis. And Francis, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to work for uh, Worldliness Workshop and what your position is there. All right. <clears throat> I will try not to bore everyone too much. Um, but currently, I am the uh, communications director <clears throat> for Wilderness Workshop, which means I kind of do a host of writing, editing, media outreach, uh, media management, and managing our social channels and all that fun stuff. So if it's public-facing, it's, I've likely had my hands on it, um, which is just wonderful because it's such a good group of people with uh, such great values, you know, and doing such good work for the community. So I just love it. Um, let's see. So the longer story is I am a native East coaster, Baltimore, and 
I, um, you know, I'm a climber and a runner, a skier, and I came out here for college, uh, Fort Collins. Oh, and, great. you know, it was kind of coming up here because the climbing's like really good in this valley and um, just kind of fell in love with Colorado and stayed for a while. I ended up going back east to do some kind of graduate work and all that kind of stuff. But I just kind of had the West still nagging me. And, you know, long story short is I eventually landed in Carbondale um, managing some outdoor media uh, platforms, including some magazines. And, you know, the kind of the next, the next phase was definitely to be able to, I think, just bring it all together, bring the writing, bring the interest in like the wild and nature um, and protecting those lands, bring it all together. And that's kind of how I got the Wilderness Workshop. Fantastic. Um, yeah. One of the publications you uh, referred to earlier that you worked for um, is it Rock and Ice magazine? Yeah, it was at Rock and Ice. And, okay. and you know, just the, the quick overlap there is as climbers, you know, we're constantly on uh, wilderness areas, you know, or in wilderness areas, climbing in national parks, Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, and the Maroon Bells and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, we actually did a lot of advocacy work at the magazines, um, whether it's like Bears Ears in Utah. We fought really big fights to keep access open um for climbers but just for other communities as well and and that was like an important part of um how i understood that position was like okay it's time to not just you know not just enjoy you know these lands but like let's let's do it right even if it means not climbing there or not skiing there you know sometimes you got to back off right um, and that's important so kind of that balance between uh the, the access which is important and also the protections come along with access is that would you say that's true Yes, I'd say sometimes, you know, um, like, so for instance, it, it kind of cuts both ways. So increased climbing development or increased mountain biking development can also decrease, you know, wildlife, um, the health of species. So you need, you know, you really need to think about all those things. And I, I don't think the outdoor community had, you know, was as good as it should be in thinking about, you know, the, the bigger effect of those areas. Um, but Wilderness Workshop does. And mm-hmm. that's what's really fascinating. It's like they understand, like, okay, let's let's not do anything this time. Let's just let elk herds and let's let lynx and bear, let's let them just have that habitat for themselves. And that's important. Um, and just valuing that in itself, right, is is pretty spectacular. Fantastic. Uh, before we get into Naturalist Nights, um, can you tell us, uh, give us a taste of what's happening at, at Worldliness Workshop? What are you all working on these days? Yeah, so... I'd say two things that are probably top of mind for a lot of people here in the community. Um, one would be the Thompson Divide. Mm-hmm. And this is this is totally awesome. Um, our fingers are crossed. But as, as a lot of people know, the Thompson Divide is a, is a large area kind of west of Carbondale, south of Glenwood Springs, and, and technically kind of goes a little bit up through McClure Pass and even down towards Crested Butte. And the Forest Service just released an environmental assessment that kind of has a um, a yay or nay, like let's do nothing or let's uh, withdraw these lands for 20 years from future oil and gas development. And so we're really at an inflection point right now because we have kind of till Monday evening to, to gather the last bit of comments um, from the community and sub- we will submit those to the Forest Service. And then they will sit on all of that information and, and kind of, you know, analyze the data and then mm. they will make a decision. And that's kind of like, you know, 15 years of work um, yeah. kind of brought to this point. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty, right. yeah. it's pretty awesome for 
all the communities involved. I, I even remember when I was a kid, like a young kid, even uh, unified for Thompson Divide, which if I'm not incorrect, I think was one of what maybe led a little bit into Worldliness Workshop. Is that... I think we can There's probably take credit for aspect, it, but yeah. but someone may have to call, call me on that. Absolutely, one. no problem. Yep, yeah, it's it's certainly been on uh, people's uh, minds for a long time, and it's been a uh, collective interest of uh, this area. So that is some exciting news. Um, what else? Okay, so <clears throat> the the second thing is we are currently working with um, kind of a crystal river collaborative of sorts. And we're trying right. to work on what is the best way to proceed with protecting the crystal river. Um, and not just the crystal river we see from, you know, Carbondale to marble, but, um, you know, up into the back country, um, way up into the, the raggeds and bells a little bit, the headwaters. And so what's interesting about the crystal is that's one of the last, uh, free flowing rivers in the West, which means it still has those kind of spring runoff, um, flows that are unobstructed by dams and all that stuff. So it's a, it's really, it's a special little spot. And uh, we're, you know, just trying to figure out what's the best way forward. Is it wild and scenic uh, designation? Is it some other type of agreement um, between counties and governments? Um, but yeah, we've been, you know, kind of involved in that. And we're, we're really hopeful that at least the end result will be a better crystal. And, okay. And that's, you know, there there won't be a dam there. There's a real, real long, interesting history there of potential dams and the flooding of Redstone and all this kind of wild stuff. Yeah. And I think that this issue, um, yeah, is, is really important to anyone in this valley here. Absolutely. And um, there's been a lot of public engagement as far as the Crystal River goes and wild and scenic uh, potential protection um, that uh, has – And can do you, do you recall the name of the organization that is kind of mediating that process? Yeah, it's like the, it's, I think it's the, it's, Chris, it's, it's a really long name. Okay. It's like it, uh, it's, Crystal River, Wild and Scenic and other, other alternative feasibility. Like, you know, it's one of. They had to adjust it because <laughs> it wasn't just uh, because there was some stakeholders, if I'm not mistaken, who thought that maybe Wild and Scenic might not be uh, their desired end result. And so there is other kind of options about the. Um, and because this is a stakeholder engagement process and a public engagement process, uh, some people may be wary, I, I suppose I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some uh, maybe small facets who are concerned uh, about um, what Wild and Scenic is and, um, and the fact that it comes from the uh, federal government or it's a federal government designation. Could you speak to that? And I'm sorry, I don't want to get in the weeds too much. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, so this this really started, as I'd say, just a ground up. Like, okay. um, this is not like, here's Wild and Scenic. Let's do this. Or here's this other thing. This is what we're going to aim for. This is really, okay, what are, what are all the values? What are the values of the ranchers, fly fishermen, people that are living by the river? And, and so what do they want to keep? What do they want to protect about the river? And then what solutions help get, get us there? Mm-hmm. And so there are naturally a lot of different kind of like ideologies and politics that come into play when you're bringing like literally everybody um, right. into the mix there. Um, I, so I would say as an or- organizationally, um, we've, we've heard from a, a lot of experts and it, you know, it definitely seems like Wild and Scenic um, provides kind of gold standard protection for a gold standard river. And, you know, it's very customizable. Um, it can be, you know, it a lot of things can be written in it, but again, that's that's not to say that something else may not um, 
come as a result of, of all this work. Maybe it's a combination of that and something else. Um, but I, you know, the fact that it's community driven is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that community really needs to just like figure out what it is and do, do all that homework and figure out, you know, if it is well and that's great. If it's not, then can we borrow anything from that and, and et cetera. So fantastic well thank you for putting that work and for being focused on the natural resources around our area and uh, the crystal river is definitely one of the most majestic so thank so you good to you and the rest of wilderness workshop for um for taking such care and uh being a part of that process mm-hmm. um and that also so that kind of segue is the good segue into naturalist nights because one of the uh, presenters um I believe it's a, let's see here, it's a hydrologist is going to be speaking, um, and I'm trying to find which presentation it is. Born to be Wild. Born to be Wild. Um, Great name. When uh, So Naturalist Nice is a series that's been going on for some time. I want to get into some background, but since we're on the topic, uh, Born to be Wild, uh, uh, what are those dates, and uh, who is the presenter, if you don't mind, Francis? Yep, sure. So the uh, yeah, official title here is Born to be Wild, uh, The Ecological Benefits of Wild and Scenic Rivers, um, and Jennifer Back is the lecturer. She is a retired hydrologist from the National Park Service. And she is a specialist in uh, wild and scenic designation. So she's kind of the, uh, you know, the, she's the ace in the hole in terms of getting information out there for the community. Um, and I would say anyone interested in learning more about that, um, about wild and scenic, would very much benefit from, you know, just listening to her talk. Um, okay, so details. Wednesday, January 24th. Um, it'll be in Carbondale, 6 to 7 p.m. at uh, the Roaring Fork High School. Awesome. Okay. And then if you can't make the Carbondale, uh, Thursday, January 25th, uh, same 6 to 7 p.m. Um, at Aces Hallam Lake. Fantastic. Uh, well, that sounds like certainly a very relevant one, mm-hmm. uh, as are a lot of these uh, speakers uh, that are coming up um, over the next couple months for the Naturalist Night series. For our listeners, you are tuned into Everything Under the Sun, the Sopra Sun's weekly radio program. I'm your host, James Steinler, and I'm here today with uh, Francis uh, Sanzaro. And Francis, remind me, what is your title at uh, Worldliness Workshop? Communications Director. Okay, great. Communications Director. Yep. But it sounds like you have your hands in a little bit of a lot of different aspects. Yes, for okay. sure. Yep, <laughs> I'll run all our like social, Instagram, Facebook. I'll work on press releases. I'll write this, edit that, um, gather X, Y, and Z. I'll kind of whatever. We're we're a small agile crew, um, and so I think we just all kind of do what we, you know, do what is needed. Well, I know you're doing a great job reaching out and uh, letting people know and uh, news organizations know what Worldliness Workshop is doing. I know Grant Stevens, who I believe preceded you, he mm-hmm. did a great job. So big shoes to fill in your area. Yep. Certainly filling them. So wonderful. We're going to spend the next half of the show talking about Naturalist Nights. Um, and again, the first uh, the first presentation for this year will be uh, on January 10th, and that will be um, it's also another relevant topic mm-hmm. about the Yellowstone wolves and the researchers and what they've observed there and Yellowstone and wolves uh, behavior for the last quarter of a century. And that'll be presented by Taylor Rabe. First, though, give us some mm-hmm. uh, 
Um, and I hope I pronounced that right. Um, Francis, give us some backgrounds on Naturalist Nights, and I understand there's a partnership between ACES, Going for Godobon, and Worldliness Workshop. Mm-hmm. When did Naturalist Nights uh, get started? Yeah, so we, you know, I was talking to someone about this earlier. Uh, you know, Will Rausch, our executive director, he is one of the original guys who kind of was there, and he's, he, he was giving me about two decades um, for the program, and what it is, it's a series of free lectures on topics that, um, you know, that the three organizations are working on and or just really fun topics uh, surrounding nature, conservation, animals, um, kind of, you know, technology even. And so, you know, again, let's say, um, yeah, two decades. And so, you know, an interesting backstory here is that I believe it originally – took place in Carbondale at Dos Gringos. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by the way, they still, they just provided like our burritos for our Crystal River. Summer. Like, so they're still, oh, they're like still in the game, right? Yeah, I mean, got to love Dos Gringos. Um, but apparently during those first um, couple years, we would have just like two dozen people there. And that was like a kind of a win. But now we're like easily pulling 50 to 100, you know, um, a night. And so it's kind of growing, you know, it's great to see, you know, it's kind of just become a, annual thing that people just reach out to us like in October, like, Hey, when's it yeah. go? You know? So it's kind of cool. <clears throat> it's so neat because the, uh, everyone who's presenting are experts in their field. So it's, and, uh, generally, and you had just, I think answered this question. It sounds like they are choosing topics that, you know, that these organizations are working on and that are, uh, relevant to the community. And, uh, of course the wolves, uh, which you are all opening up with again on January 10th and 11th. Um, is certainly relevant. And then the hydrologist, who's actually the next presenter, uh, Jennifer Beck, on January 24th and 25th. Uh, so, so cool that um, you all, uh, yeah, that, that uh, I suppose y'all have an ear to the community and you get and inviting these experts where people get to pick their brains and it's completely free. Totally free. Great. And um, it's... Uh, Every and it's, it takes place twice um, for each lecture uh, on a Wednesday in Carbondale at the Going Fork High School, and then and will that stay at the Going Fork High School? Is there a chance for it to go back to the Third Street Center? Yeah, good, great question. Um, so you know, we've kind of just been worried because it's always been a Third Street Center that people would just show up there out of you know animal habit. Um, so thanks for calling attention to that. Um, we th- I, I, we're committed to the Going Fork High School. Okay, on Wednesdays because we feel that just that's better. We don't kind of know what will happen with um, the situation there. Right, the Venezuelan refugees who've been housed. There Correct. Yeah, they're yeah. they're in the auditorium there. Right. Um, and so yeah, I think it's better to say we're just committed um, uh, to Rolling Fork High School. But yeah, and the skinny of it is, yeah, five lectures Wednesday night and Thursday night. They're both the same lecture, mm-hmm. uh, both even the same time, six to seven p.m. The Wednesday just happens to be in Carbondale. And then the Thursday is going to be up uh, in Aspen. So that's just kind of how it works. Great. And at Hallam Lake uh, in Aspen on Mm -hmm. Thursday nights. Correct. Thursday nights. Yep. And there will be an online uh, possibility. Watch it, I believe, on Grassroots TV. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's awesome. Um, And I'll just say, yeah, the way we pick the speakers is us and um, Aspen Center for Environmental Studies Mm -hmm. um, and Rowan Fork Autobahn. We just kind of say, okay, like, who would be really fun to bring on? And what are you guys thinking about? Who do you know that's a really good presenter? And we just kind of roundtable it from there. 
Fantastic. Do you choose committee or is it just anyone who gets to, who would like to um, participate from each organization? You know, it's it's pretty we're pretty informal about it. We just kind of all get our heads together. For instance, you know, we you know, Wilderness Workshop, we proposed, um, I think, Jennifer back for obvious reasons, you know, the wilderness. Oh, I'm sorry, the uh, wild and scenic rivers that seemed to be really relevant to this community. Um, and, you know, the um, the other like side note here is that, you know, Wilderness Workshop is very much like an advocacy organization. And we believe that, you know, responsible advocacy depends on people having information. And so, you know, we think that if we're working on an issue, we can bring in that expert. Everyone can hear from that expert. And so that creates kind of like a more educated, responsible community, right? To work on these really pressing issues that the Valley's dealing with. So Absolutely. Uh, now, I know we've kind of hinted around some of these uh, different presenters that are coming up uh, between um, uh, Jan- this month, January, mm-hmm. and March. But go ahead and just for a recap, and so people, and put your listening caps on now and take out your calendars, and let's just go through each of those um, uh, five speakers that are coming to the Valley. Great. Let's do it. Okay, so our first one, um, next Wednesday and Thursday, um, Taylor uh, Rabe. Uh, she's giving a talk on Yellowstone wolves, a quarter century of research and observation. So what we got here is she's a, uh, a biological science technician with the Yellowstone Wolf Project, and they introduced uh, gray wolves to Yellowstone National Park in 1995. And she has basically spent the last five years full-time studying and observing gray wolves. And wow. So why is that interesting for our community? I think, you know, the, the last month of the, with the reintroduction of wolves into Colorado, mm-hmm. we're going to learn a lot um, yeah. because they, they're, they're ahead of us by, what, 21 years? Right. Um, so. And we have paws on the ground. They have the ground and <laughs> Paws County. on the ground. I know. I kind of love saying <laughs> that's, that. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's incredible. Tell us about number two, man. Uh, we do have only about six minutes okay. left in the show. All right. I'll make it quick. Number two, we've got Jennifer Back with Born to be Wild, the Ecological Benefits of Wild and Scenic Rivers. Um, that's January 24th and 25th. Um, she's a retired hy- hydrologist for the National Park Service. Okay. Um and that will be relevant uh, because of wild and scenic designation on the crystal. If we just wanted to add that plug. Thank you, Francis. Number Thank you. three. Number three, super interesting here, something you haven't thought of, um, is how protecting bird species from wind turbine collisions. Hmm. Um, a talk by Susan Downey and Carlos Jorquera. Um, that is February 7th and 8th. And that sounds really interesting. They are field application engineers and chief birders at Boulder Imaging um, so sounds really interesting Fantastic. talk there. I feel like that's always like the I've heard that as like uh, maybe from uh, however you want to see it, but uh, for people who are um, maybe against renewable energy and they'll, I've heard that specifically. Oh, the wind turbines they're killing birds, mm-hmm. and apparently it is an issue. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear what how they're dealing with that. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to just like learning about about what's going on there. That sounds super interesting. Very cool. Um, Number four. Okay. uh, Nathan Peeplo uh, with a talk called The Language of Birds. Um, That is Wednesday, February 21st and Thursday, February 22nd. And he is a um, uh, former editor of the journal Colorado Birds. Um, Hmm. And quote in his talk, he says, you'll listen in 
on the pillow talk of a pair of red-winged blackbirds, um, among other things. So brilliantly put, Nathan. Yeah, right? and uh, so it's uh, it, it's so interesting to think about how animals communicate, and uh, that and someone who uh, is able to. I, I don't, to try and understand how that's done and maybe even get an idea of what they're communicating. Yeah. And just do they communicate? He says the meaning isn't in the sounds at all. He says, which is, I mean, he's got me right there. Like, what are you talking about? Sounds fascinating. Cause I know nothing about bird language. You just think that they're saying like weird things, but I'm probably totally wrong on that. Right. Yeah. So I'll be very interested mm-hmm. to hear what they um, what they actually might be saying or not be saying. <laughs> exactly. Singing, <laughs> laughing, like something. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. All right. And what's going to uh, what's going to finish this out in uh, March? Okay. So Evan uh, Hierpe is going to give a talk uh, called "The Economics of Public Lands and Protected Areas." Uh, Wednesday, March sixth. Um, Thursday, March seventh. And he is the executive director of the Conservation Economics Institute. And this ties in with some of the work we've done. We've worked with Evan before. Um, he's written some reports for us. And, you know, what he's going to do is he's going to summarize some research um, on the economic influence of protected areas um, and just how kind of public lands and economies uh, overlap and intertwine. And I think that'll be really fascinating. And you know, some of the work we've been doing on the Western Colorado oil and gas plan, which is about 2 million acres of land, mm-hmm. um, is, is directly relevant to what Evan is going to talk about. Fantastic. So another one where uh, people who have um, uh, opinions about uh, what is currently happening with their public land, certainly a lot of uh, value to be had to attend that last lecture. And again, that's March 6th and 7th? Correct. March 6th and March 7th, uh, 6 to 7 p.m., and remember, these um, lectures are free and open to the public. We do think that uh, registering is a good idea. It gives us a good sense of how many tea and how much tea and cookies we need to buy. Fantastic. If you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, um, so, yeah go ahead and go to um, ACES or uh, WilliamsWorkshop.org to register. Okay. Again, uh, so that was WildernessWorkshop.org, or you can also go to AspenNature.org, which is ACES, Aspen Center for Environmental Studies website. Um, and I also understand, according to the article uh, by Will, if you are looking for a, a virtual option uh, for attending these, you could also find the option on those websites. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to have some live streaming on our Facebook pages, um, as well as ACES YouTube channel. So I think if you want to get there, if you can't get there in the, in the, in the flesh, then um, you can get there digitally pretty easily. Fantastic. Um, so I just, uh, again, want to thank you so much, Francis, for joining us again today on Everything Under the Sun. Uh, for our listeners, again, to find out more about uh, Naturalist Nights, go to wildernessworkshop.org, and you can find information there. You can also find information at aspennature.org. Thank you for staying tuned to uh, Everything Under the Sun. Francis, any closing statements? You have 30 seconds. Um, nothing, nothing top of mind. Thanks for having me. And thanks for, you know, letting Wilderness Workshop, um, you know, um, have a, you know, be able to say our piece on, on the radio. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much for answers for joining us. Thank you folks for staying tuned to everything under the sun. We'll talk to you next week.